This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception, the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Kill, Matt Harmon here with you, and you're listening to Reception Perception, the show. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I am back from my vacation out in Augusta slash Atlanta, having a really good time. Uh, for those uh, for those folks who are catching us on the YouTube, got got my swag here, um, which yeah. is great. Uh, but, Matt, you know, one of the cooler stories about Augusta is, man, they are just so proficient uh, in terms of just moving people, man, like it was unbelievable, uh, what they were able to do. I mean, there's like 50, 60,000 people there and there's just, I mean, there's lines, but they move. It's like, you know, it's like when you're at the Chick-fil-A line and they, they just, the logistics <laughs> of everything, man, it is, it's, it's very impressive. And man, we had a great time. I mean, Number one, uh, no better sign that you're like an old washed man than just sitting around and being like, you know, what was awesome about this event was just how efficient logistics they people along <laughs> logistics because, but I tell you what, man, uh, that true, is, true, true, that true. is impressive though. Cause there is nothing more yeah. frustrating as a fellow, uh, slightly less, but still nonetheless washed old yes. man. Uh, there is nothing more frustrating than going to an event and being like, for God's sakes, let's move yes. it along, people. Let's get this flowing. So, I mean, yeah, the Masters incredible for a lot of different reasons. Um, yeah, yeah, but that that is that is nonetheless incredibly impressive. Can I just share one story too? And just in terms of like patron service, okay? Like my boy, it wasn't me, but my boy, um, he had to drop some kids off. He he had to take the deuce uh, at the Masters, <laughs> and as soon as he is done. There is a guy who runs into the stall and cleans it all up. And so that the next guy who comes into the stall comes into an immaculate stall. <laughs> that is patron service to the nth degree. But I was also thinking, man, how do you get end up with that job? That's got to uh, yeah. be a pretty crap job. But, they, but I tell you what, literally, they do it. Yeah. yeah, I know. Literally a crap job. But I tell you what, they do it with like just the utmost professionalism. And I, I, again, that was one of my takeaways about going to Augusta too, was just, man, unbelievable uh, efficiency and just patron service. Like what the hell, man? Like, why is that a thing? But it is, it's, it's pretty cool, man. Uh, yeah. My, my thoughts are with that. Fellow. Uh, <laughs> yes, I mean, thoughts a, and prayers, <laughs> but you know what? Hey, it's honest work and somebody's got to do Absolutely. it. And, and, and I'm sure 100%. that person needs, needs the, needs the job, needs the gig. So uh, shout out to them. A, yes. a literal hero, a literal, a literal <laughs> hero. <laughs> hey, listen, enough about golf, enough about masters, enough about uh, people cleaning uh, dirty stalls. Uh, let's get to the matter at hand here. Odell Beckham signs with the Baltimore Ravens. I think it was a little bit of a left turn, a little bit of surprise. I know the Baltimore was uh, generally in the market for a wide receiver, but this is a very Baltimore move. Very Baltimore move, Matt Harmon, to go get a, a veteran uh, high-profile wide receiver and Odell Beckham Jr. and just hope it works. But uh, my <laughs> thoughts on this whole thing was, or I guess I just want to get your thoughts, really. Like, where does Odell kind of fit in? Uh, obviously, a big part of that will be the health of Rashad Bateman. Uh, and, and how does this kind of smooth things over, if it does at all, uh, with Lamar Jackson? Well, you know, I think that my first reaction to this was, um, you know, I, I've said, I think I've said this on this show, I've said this on other shows, too, that the word 
the phrase up to has been like the the phrase of the offseason. Every insider it feels <laughs> like for the for the first time this year has been like every time a contract gets signed, it's like it's for four years up to this much money. It's like, OK, we get it. You're doing work for the agent. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but. And so when I saw that Odell Beckham was signed for one year up to 18 million, I thought that like up to was going to be doing like it usually is be doing a lot of heavy lifting there, but it really wasn't because no. the Ravens in order to keep the cap charge low gave uh, Beckham like a $15 million, I think all in or 13 million all in signing bonuses. And then a mm-hmm. lot of uh, a lot of it or the base salary is, is kept pretty low. So the cap charge is low. So basically, is it going to be? It's like essentially a one-year, fifteen million dollar deal with the incentives to get up to eighteen from there. So that's actually a pretty good deal for Odell Beckham. I think it shows you a couple of different things. One, that they did not want him to get on the plane to go to New York, and yeah. you know, the, for the Jets to get the deal for done, the they wanted to close in. it right. there. Yeah. So that tells you that, and I think it also does show you that this was for them we knew wide receiver was a huge need. Like they could not just go into the receiver into this, the season with a receiver room of Nelson Aguilar being the only big addition there. Like that would have been malpractice for the 10th year in a row at the receiver room (laughs) from a veteran standpoint with the Ravens. Um, And also I think does, I think it it does signal a lot with Lamar Jackson um, because, you know, Lamar posted the, the photo of him, like the screenshot of him FaceTiming with Odell Beckham, right. like being part of the recruiting process. And, you know, we'll talk about Beckham, like in what he has left here in a second, but he does at least have a lot of cachet. Like he is a, a big name. He's uh, got a ton of respect in the league. Like everybody seems to really respect him as a locker room guy. Like other than Baker yep. Mayfield, everybody seems to have great things to say about uh, Odell Beckham Jr. So, you know, I think it was a, sh- a sign of good faith. It, it was a part of, I think the Ravens sort of looked at it as, hey, we can maybe overpay here for Beckham a little bit if it can help us not meet the, de- if it gets Lamar to come off some of his demands and get him back in the right. building and sort of kind of reverse psychology it that way a little bit. So I do think it shows you, a, like, I think this beyond just, what Beckham's going to bring on the field. I do think it signals a lot here from the Ravens end of it. I think, it, I think to your point, it's like, it's not exactly um, what Lamar I'm sure would want, but it's at least a, a, a modicum of a, of an olive branch from the organization mm-hmm. um, to Lamar. And, and I've been very critical of the organization and how they've handled this thing and, and all the signals that they have sent to Lamar basically saying, you're not that value. Right. Um, and I think this is maybe a slight reversal of that course. Now, that being said, from a football perspective, my God, you hit it right on the head. They needed to get a pass catcher. <laughs> and, but we don't know what Odell's got right. Uh, yeah. coming off that injury, we didn't see him, uh, in 2022. So in 2023, I also read this report, Matt, and I, I don't know. I want to get your thoughts on this. It didn't make any sense to me, uh, that possibly potentially there are talks that maybe Odell would slide inside, uh, play a little slot receiver. Um, and I'm sure not primarily slot, but you know, um, you know, maybe go 50, 50 or something, just play more slot than he has. Uh, with Rashad Bateman being an outside X receiver. That one didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense to me. Uh, I know he's known to run the slants. Okay, I get mm-hmm. that. Um, but from a fit perspective, I, I guess I just don't understand. But what are your thoughts there on Odell and his uh, football fit with the Baltimore Ravens? That is interesting. And, and I'm I'm curious to see how these two receivers meld together because I I think with Beckham and I always want to bring this up with Odell Beckham, like his giants run. And I'm talking like the entirety of his giants run from the, like the 2014 to 2018 season were some of, I I mean, literally the best reception perception seasons of all time period. Um, I wrote this in his 2020 reception perception profile that Beckham had never finished below the 98th percentile in success rate versus press coverage in any of his sample season with the mm. New York Giants and still to this day owns two of the four best success rate versus man coverage scores since 2014 from those Giants run. One in 2014, one in 2018. So again, the duration of his time, like the entirety of his time there. His uh, Actually, his rookie season, 86.7% success rate versus press coverage is still the highest in our reception perception database from from the entirety of you know hundreds and hundreds of players and you know multiple seasons sampled here that's how good he was at his peak we're talking about a 
top five to ever play the position, one of the greatest of all time type trajectories. Now, immediately what people will say is, well, he's never going to get back to that get back to that peak like he's never going to play at his peak it's well, no shit yeah he's never going to play at his peak after all of these injuries but it's just a reminder that like when we say he's not he's never going to be at his peak is not like oh he's never going to be a good receiver it's he's never going to play it like a top five player in the like top five player in <laughs> pro football period uh you know type uh-huh. of level because that's what right. reception perception shows that he was operating at earlier in his career which by the way is just kind of a shame you know, in it's one of the things like injuries suck. And I know he's been, you know, had some weird moments off the field. I think he uh, he's a, just a fascinating kind of what if and like things gone awry kind of story in the NFL in general, um, you know, for, for a lot of different reasons. To, but a lot of it obviously comes back to injuries. But still, you know, again, to go back to his 2021 reception perception profile, which does encompass some games with the Rams and some games with the Cleveland Browns. It's actually a 50 50 split there four with the four with each team. We're talking about a 72.3% success rate versus man 81.5% success rate versus zone and an 81st percentile success rate versus press coverage score. That's still really, really good, James. Like those are still quality numbers across the board and Beckham played such a big role. And I think this is interesting to bring it back to the inside stuff. Beckham's biggest role with the Rams was as that true number one backside X receiver that, you know, Matthew Stafford reads it out in front, like Cooper Cups' front side read. And, you know, Cooper Cups almost always open. We know that from that season. But he could still have plenty of faith that he could get to that backside read. And Beckham on dig routes, on curl routes, on post routes, some of his best sampled routes from that season, he was going to be consistently open. Even outbreaking routes going to be consistently open on those. And also, as a contested catch player in the red zone, that was where he was a big impact player for um, the Rams as well. So it's tough with Beckham because, again, we're talking about another ACL injury after everything that I just said there. It's tough to know who he's going to be, but if he can be some modicum of that player, like a backside X receiver that is going to get separation and you know be more like a 75 80% contested catch player, like we're talking about a, a really great addition and, and something that the Ravens desperately need. Right. Um, okay. So we've got Rashad Bateman, uh, again, also coming off of an injury. So this is a, if you ask me, a very fragile uh, you know, uh, wide receiver yeah. room there in Baltimore. Not even the receiver room, just James. Like basically, if you go down the board with the Ravens, <laughs> right. it's like, Correct. well, you know, J.K. Dobbins <laughs> can be good if he's healthy this year. Lamar, hey, Lamar Jackson <laughs> can be good if he finishes the season, doesn't get injured. Right. Mark Andrews even got banged up at times last year. I mean, luckily, it seems like a lot of the Ravens' injury problems was due to this like lunatic uh, strength coach who you know everybody hated, and and they got the F minus in the strength staff thing with the NFLPA poll so maybe things will all be better now but it's not even just receiver room man it's literally the entire offense is is like an injury asterisk no you're right I mean you remember that one season I think it was uh two years ago when literally the entire like the 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 entire running back room got injured (laughs) it was the top three dudes they all got injured there was one practice where I think they lost Marcus Peters and their starting running back in back-to-back plays uh, it was just, it was madness. Uh, so no, Baltimore obviously has struggled with injuries. Um, <clears throat> they're, they're like the chargers East, uh, out there <laughs> with Baltimore. Uh, but no, listen, uh, so I, I look at the wide receiver room and I say, okay, we got Rashad Bateman. We don't quite know what his ceiling is. I mean, hell, we don't even know what his median is. What's his median. I don't know. Uh, and then we've got Odell Beckham coming off of multiple injuries now. Um, and, and, you know, at his age, where does he kind of sort of fit in to all of this? Now I kind of raise my eyebrow when I, when I see, okay, there's some talks maybe that Odell could try to slide inside. Hey, listen, you know, his last healthy season with the Rams, he played about 85% of his snaps outside. And the year before with Cleveland, he played about 90% of his snaps yeah. outside. So this is a player that traditionally has not played. Uh, inside. I, I don't know what kind of, um, and look, he's a hard worker. Uh, I think that much has been established mm-hmm. with Odell Beckham. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if he could do it. He, you know, he absolutely would, but, uh, and I'm sure he'll work really, really hard at that, Matt, but that's not, that's not a given. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not a given, especially at his age, uh, for him to slide inside. But what do you think? Does he got, does he have a skill set? 
uh, that can work, you know, as an inside wide receiver? Yeah, the highest slot percentage I have for Beckham in, and I, I think I have, I have every year of his career in our reception perception database is twenty four point seven percent. So, um, yeah, not not a lot of slot receiver work for Odell Beckham. No. I mean, he's a. I always thought the thing that was just so underrated about Beckham, and it's crazy to say this because, like I said, he was like performing at a top five receiver level. Um, is his, his technique. I thought he was like a consummate technician. The athleticism obviously is the thing that's declined over the years when you rip your right. knee up that much, when you have so many lower body injuries, that's going to take its toll on you. But from a technician standpoint, from a timing tempo of his routes and everything, especially off the line of scrimmage, like that press coverage work has always been really good for him. I think he, he can make that transition, but I agree with you that it, it's a little bit to me, I, I'd be a little skeptical of that. And, um, Bateman, I do think is interesting because Bateman has played both positions in college. Uh, the season we have from him uh, in on the website, that was when he was playing X receiver from Minnesota. But his final year in 2020, which was during the weird COVID year and, and COVID interrupted yeah. and stuff like that, he was playing more um, big slot receivers type stuff. So. I, I think Bateman, again, we kind of don't really know what his median is, but I mean, we know reception perception is really high on him. He was an 85th percentile success rate versus zone player uh, in his in his rookie season. Obviously, last year, it's like three and a half games. What are we what are we doing? I know. Here? Maybe right. I'll maybe I'll chart him at some point, but it's just going to be such a small, small sample. Um, I actually think I did do a couple for the in-season charting anyway, so. I love I love Bateman. I, I think Bateman's got a great profile to be an X receiver. I think he could also be an off-ball flanker receiver. Um, yeah. And Nelson Aguilar is interesting, too, because I know it's like LOL Nelson Aguilar, but if we're talking about Nelson Aguilar, like, and he's a $2 million, $1 million player for you, that's fine as your receiver three. And yeah. I think he could be a speed slot type of guy. So to me, I'm, I'm with you that totally I'm, I'm, raising, I'm raising my eyebrows a little bit at this Beckham inside receiver report because to me I'd I'd imagine that he'd either be that coverage dictating backside X receiver or you know even a, a front side flanker receiver that Lamar can read out quickly but I think a lot of that's going to ha- come down to Rashad Bateman's health and where he is uh, I mean Bateman's still a player I really want to bet on it just is like where is he going to be from an injury standpoint yeah Rashad Bateman in 2021 uh, you charted him as a 72.7 percent success rate versus man and 83 percent success rate versus zone again two awesome. super Really, I mean, just solid, solid numbers. Uh, and in, 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 and again, they're solid individually, Matt. But can you talk to me about uh, when you look at those two numbers together? That's when you start looking at players that okay, this guy could legitimately be a a, a real legit player. And can I throw one number out there uh, that I think might surprise some folks? But his twenty twenty one numbers. Uh, in terms of success rate versus man, and then in conjunction with the success rate versus zone coverage, looks a lot like Stefan Diggs in 2016 when he also had a same score, 72.7% success rate mm-hmm. versus man, and slightly lower, 82.1% success rate versus zone coverage. So again, two numbers that sort of, again, when, when you're starting to look at upside, uh, and you put them in conjunction with each other should get people pretty excited. Yeah, it's why I still have like Rashad Bateman absurdly high in in the dynasty rankings and um, on, that are on the website, and why I I loved him as a prospect. You know, I I thought he was just like not in not like a tier one type like top ten receiver. You should be taking this guy in the first ten picks of the draft type receiver. But that next group, like he was one of my favorite players of of that tier. And I mean, man, I yeah, I just I love the talent of him. I love that you point out those two numbers. And by the way, like also was a seventy six point five percent success rate versus press player. Like he was a guy that could show you he he could beat press coverage off the line of scrimmage and right. um, those layup routes that he would run slants digs posts um curl routes those in breaking routes are really in 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 right in line with what um lamar jackson loves to throw and too like i think what i think it gets lost that like if you look at the raven season last year things started to completely fall apart in the passing game when he got hurt like he was producing yeah. especially at a, on a per route basis because he was kind of working back from a preseason injury and wasn't playing like a full snap load of freaking course. Yeah. Um, 
But those like first three, again, like I think it was three, three and a half games to start the season. He was producing an unbelievable clip on a per route basis because he was, he was just so efficient. And Lamar Jackson was having a great start to the season as a passer. Bateman gets hurt. And then you're looking at like Demarcus Robinson and Devin Duvernay and the entire passing game falls <laughs> apart. Like I think yeah. he showed at the beginning of last year, he's a legitimate difference maker. So I still am so bullish on the talent of Rashad Bateman, and I hope he doesn't become a what-if story himself because of the injuries and everything like that. So, yeah, I I, I love this dude. I think he's extremely talented, and I really think a a one-two-three receiver rotation, plus obviously Mark Andrews at tight end, Isaiah Likely at tight end, Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman, Nelson Aguilar, like they've got something there with Lamar Jackson. And don't forget, too, that Todd Monk is the offensive coordinator now, not – Greg Roman, you know, we're not running like the 1990s route combinations and two guys run <laughs> dig routes into each other like uh, like Greg right. Roman would, would love to run like and Beckham has experience with Todd Monken's route tree as well since he they worked together with Cleveland in 2019. So, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, Bateman is, I think, the key to this whole thing because and love obviously Beckham's health as well. But, yeah, I, I love Bateman, yeah. the player. I'm glad you brought up those two numbers. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a interesting pass catching group there in Baltimore. And again, so much of it, so much of it is going to rely on health. Uh, yeah. I, I love the fact that you brought up Mark Andrews too. He kind of gets somehow, you know, forgotten in this whole, you know, pass catching group, but yeah, obviously the number one wide receiver, um, number one receiver, I should say for Lamar when everything is going right. Plus all the running backs too. They've got a good group of running backs there, mm-hmm. uh, in Baltimore too. So the offense could be on the rise uh, in 2023. We will certainly uh, keep our eyes open for that. <laughs> it feels like it could be on the rise. Like either we're looking at like the best Ravens offense we've seen in the Lamar Jackson era, or we're looking at Tyler Huntley throwing to Nelson Aguilar, by, <laughs> you know, 10 times a game with um, some running oh. back you've barely heard of, or, or, you know, no. in Latavius Murray back there with Tyrion. Harris, no, 20, not even on the roster, but you know, he'll, oh, he's God. got 20 carries a game. Uh, uh, but we're either looking at like those two options by week six. What a 100%. treat. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Perception, perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Uh, hey, by the way, uh, the guy who runs the Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, um, he, he had an interesting, you know, uh, tweet today saying basically, you know, the media is the media uh, is uh, projecting, you know, three to four wide receivers in the first round, and what he is hearing is that there's only one guy, and you'll you'll be happy to know this, but there's only one guy. Uh, that the teams really have a first round grade on, uh, and that's JSN, your your top um, rookie prospect. Uh, after all the guys that you've charted here, I, I don't know what 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 are your thoughts on that? Do you kind of agree with that sentiment that there's really uh, again just one guy or maybe one or two guys that uh, have a first round grade in your mind? Yeah, so um, I do agree that there's. Uh, difference or in a drop off from JSN to the rest of the guys. Um, I think he's the clear top receiver in the draft. You know, we talked about him on the last episode and how bullish I was on him based on his man and zone success rates combined. And, and, you know, the easy translation to the NFL game that I think he's going to have. Uh, so I agree with that. It's also worth noting when you hear stuff like this, Jim Nagy and talked to like all 32 teams. Okay. Uh, so, uh, he, you know, he's definitely not like representing the entire league's position. So I'm sure yeah. there are a lot of teams with just 
one first round graded receiver. Um, by the way, like teams don't have 32 first round grades to give out. Usually yeah. teams in the back half, there are going to be receivers back drafted in the back half of the first round that are not first round receivers uh, on, on teams boards. That's happened before. Um, it's always going to happen. Right. Uh, so right. that that's worth remembering that I think just because we've seen like four or five guys mocked in the front and four or five is kind of aggressive, but yeah. um, overall. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think I mentioned this on the show before that I'm, I'm working on prospect rankings for the last three draft classes um, combined, like basically where I ranked guys in 2021, 2022, and now in 2023, like a combined board that are tiered out. Of course, baby, you know, I got to have tiers. Uh, it's all <laughs> tiered out with my notes of the right. guys coming into the draft. And then like kind of my opinions on their post draft play, basically, like, how are they going up? Have they gone down? Have they stayed the same? Obviously that's not going to apply for the current year's rookie. So that should be on the site, uh, either tomorrow or later this week. And I think it actually is a good illustration of this exact point though. And, and why I kind of agree with it, that my first two categories are top 10 worthy receivers. I don't have any receiver from this class in that group. And then the second group is just clear first rounders. And I have just one guy in that group. It's Jackson Smith and Jigba. And then the next group is late round one slash very early round two picks. And that's where I have four receivers from Hmm. this draft class and um, a two from last year's draft class. So again, that's going to be on the site. I won't, I won't spoil it too much, but yeah. So basically I think that's, that's kind of where I view this class overall, that there's one guy that I think is a no doubt about it first rounder, but he's not like as good as some of the guys we've seen coming out the last couple of years. And then really, I think the meat of this class is going to be on that round one to two turn and uh, into day two as well. Yeah. Uh, seems like there's a lot of really intriguing day two guys, uh, if you want to ask me. Um, and one of those dudes, in my opinion, it might be A.T. Perry. By the way, we, we've got a new crop of, uh, of prospects up on the website, receptionperception.com. Um, Matt kind of hit all, all the top name dudes uh, earlier on a couple weeks ago. And then now second round of, um, again, I, I think a lot of day two, day three prospects here. Um, have just hit the site. One, one of the more intriguing names to me, I think, is A.T. Perry uh, at a Wake Forest, Matt. He's 6'3", uh, about 200 pounds. He ran a 4'4", so he's got the requisite height, speed combination uh, that you would like to see as an outside wide receiver. Um, when I watch him play, uh, by the way, 11.1-foot, uh, 1-inch uh, broad jump, too, which is just, I mean, that really speaks to some short area burst from A.T. Perry. But when I watch the guy play, I, I like the feet. He's got sweet feet. Uh, not sure about mm-hmm. the hands. Um, and the hands are a little shaky to me. Uh, and, and again, not really, to me anyways, uh, a very good contested catch dude. Uh, but what, does, uh, what was your charting telling you about this uh, kid out of Wake Forest? Yeah, there's definitely some prospects like all the guys that are going to go early feel like they're slot flanker types, smaller receivers. But when you get to day two, there are definitely some bigger body guys. And we'll talk about them on uh, this episode. Perry, I think, is interesting because, yeah, I actually I I don't know if you've read the profile, James, but um, at one point, I'm pretty sure I actually said like, I can't. Well, oh, yeah. Uh, one note. I can't wait to discuss this player on the Reception Perception podcast with James <laughs> Coe, as I know he simply cannot quit the X receiver prototype, especially if they measure at six foot near there yes. or run a sub four five forty yard dash. As <laughs> Perry did. So correct. And here we are. We're talking about it on the podcast. Yeah, uh, let's go. 100%. Uh, the first guy, the first guy James brings up. So, no, yeah, I think Perry's interesting. I love your your thoughts about like his, his quick feet, because I think one thing that you, you look at in his profile is like. His curl route, his slant route success rate is, is really high. Um, I think mm-hmm. he's he moves look and operates like an NFL X receiver. That's for sure. I think he yeah. has like the size. He has the fluidity at that size to win against press man coverage. Sixty eight point seven percent success rate versus man. Seventy point seven percent success rate versus press. Those are pretty good numbers. Um, I sampled his 2021 season because that was just where I could find the most consistent film. Uh, so not his most recent season, but um, I think you see a player like in the games I sampled, I I had him winning eight of 10 contested targets. I know his hands have gotten some questions, but I think he shows the ability to do it. He just needs to be a little more consistent with it, probably over the course of an entire year. Um, But yeah, I I think he's interesting because he 
I don't know that he has great long speed, even if he ran a pretty decent 40 yard dash. I think he struggles with like off man coverage to run past guys to stack defenders on those routes. So, you know, I, I kind of, um, again, I'm going to reference this axis of players a lot. Okay. Um, but like that, you know, the Devonte Parker to T Higgins axis of X receivers, like, I think he could fit in somewhere along there. Obviously that's not bad, right? Like we've also talked no. about guys like DJ Chark and Terrace Marshall, you know, on the lower end of that axis and maybe Perry goes down that range, but you know, we're talking about big X receivers that are going to line up on the line of scrimmage and, you know, run vertical routes. But I think Perry shows you some ability to win on, on shorter routes as well. It's interesting. Uh, the great Lance Zierlein also makes a Devonte Parker comparison. So I, I think uh, when two of my favorites uh, start making that comp, I think that makes a lot of sense. Although it doesn't really line up with what I was talking about. And again, I, I'm not sitting down marking grades or anything, but just off of what I could see with the eyeball test, I personally didn't think he was that great in in contested catch situations. Um, but Devonte Parker is like an all timer uh, in terms yeah. of contested catch guys, as you have pointed out it's because he has to make those catches because he can't separate <laughs> which is fine yeah. uh, but again uh i i didn't i didn't quite see that but uh but again if you and lance zerline are saying it man then then i, I think there's uh there's a lot of meat on that bone um, I'll, but again, I'll offer another comparison too. um george yeah. pickens his, some of his uh, rp success rates from uh, his collegiate profile george pickens are pretty similar to uh to A.T. Perry's A.T. Perry, just like more of a Bud Light version of that. Uh, you know, I, always, I used to call Amon Ross St. Brown the Bud Light Cooper Cup. Bud like Light. maybe A.T. Perry could be <laughs> Bud Light George Pickens. And, you know, Pickens obviously gets like lauded for his contested catch like highlights. But he's another guy that it's just, is not consistent there. He, he'll drop passes as well that he probably should catch. Like the, the, the government doesn't want you to know that George Pickens at, at variety of times last year had a higher <laughs> drop rate than, uh, than Deontay Johnson, um, big, big receiver, uh, big, big, big receiver doesn't want you to know that, uh, George Pickens actually had a higher drop rate than Deontay Johnson and, and makes those, uh, some of those same mistakes. But yeah, I think Perry, so again, that's he's George Pickens is definitely on that axis of, like, are you going to be Devontae Parker? Or are you going to graduate all the way to T. Higgins type player? So I think that's go. another good comparison for uh, for A.T. Perry. Yeah, uh, according to your data here, 83.3% success rate on the corner route, 78.6% success rate on the post. Those are two fantabulous numbers, man. Those are great, great numbers. Uh, but wasn't that efficient on the nines, 46.9% success rate on the nine, which is I don't, to be honest with you, it's a surprise, is it not, when you've got a guy who is this size with that kind of speed, uh, that kind of tested speed, you know, four, 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 seven, 40 speed and, and you know, pushing six, four. I, I'm surprised at the collegiate level and especially the given the conference that he was in doesn't have more success or at least didn't have a higher success rate on the nine route. Yeah, that's why I think he's a really fascinating player. You know, his success rate versus zone coverage, too, is the fifth percentile for college prospects. Really? Like, I <laughs> I know I said a lot of good things about his press man numbers. That's why he's like a really a throwback receiver. I mean, if if we're talking about him as uh, I think George Pickens was sort of that throwback player as well. You know, the more old time prototypical number one X receiver types, they beat press man coverage. But yeah, I mean, he. I don't think Perry's a really nuanced player. I think he really struggles again on that off coverage. He's at his best in combative situations where that guy's going to be tight on the line of scrimmage with him and he can snap him off on a curl route. You know, he can even, you know, that the stem of the route work, the guy at the stem of the route on corners on posts and stuff like that, but just straight up run past the guy, stack the, def stack the defender get open on a nine route. That's really not in his bag at this point, hmm. which is why I think he's probably more of like a, I think he's a day two candidate, but maybe more like late day two um, reaching into you know, maybe uh, I think someone team will like him in the third round is my guess. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
This is Reception Perception, the show. Now, James Cole and Matt Harmon. Okay, so uh, as you know, as you've very accurately pointed out, I cannot quit big X receivers. That is why this dude out of Mississippi, Jonathan Mingo, <laughs> is the guy that I'm really keeping an eye on here. 6'2", 220 pounds. Man, what in the hell? He's a big boy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but at 220 pounds, Matt, this guy ran a 4.46.40 with a 39.5-inch vertical. Uh, and, and again, 10.9 on the broad jump too, man. I, I just, I mean, he's an athletic freak. Uh, yeah. But what do the reception perception data tell us about uh, uh, this kid out of Mississippi? Yeah, I know you... Um you talking about X receivers here. I actually think Jonathan Mingo is going to function best as a, a big power slot player. Um, and, and you actually saw him do uh, sort of some Alan Lazard ish stuff uh, in, in college. Like he was primarily an outside receiver um, for his reception perception sample. He was lined up on the outside left side of the field on 65.2% of his sample mm -hmm. snaps. Um, was on the line though for just 55.3 so he was used off the line a good bit as well he wasn't like like we're gonna talk about at perry and like we're gonna talk about cedric tillman in a little bit like those are those guys were x receivers in college mingo is a little right. bit more position versatile like he'd even do some kind of pseudo tight end type stuff like he would line mm. up in the backfield or tight to the line and really get a lot i think he's the best blocking receiver in the draft class james i know i've i nobody's enjoyed my blocking receiver talk <laughs> this offseason but <laughs> Um, I mean, Mingo is, it's not a, it's not a class full of a lot of dudes with heft, not a lot of yeah. dudes who's going to do the dirty work. I actually think Jonathan right. Mingo is going to be awesome in that role. And I have a total non, um, well, first let me say this, because I have a total non like X receiver com player comparison for Amon Ross. Saint oh, for shit. I just spoiled it. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said it, but anyway, so my point here yes. is uh, for, for yes. Jonathan Mingo, I have a total non X receiver comparison for him. Um, so his overall success rates, 65.9% success rate versus man, 76.9% success rate versus zone, 65.4% success rate versus press. That's all at the 34th, 34th and 36th percentile. So I know that doesn't sound good off the top. It's one of the reasons I want to shoot the percentiles into the sun, but that's another topic of conversation. Let me offer this comparison, though. Again, this is with Mingo playing out, out on the left, outside. It's 65% of his snaps. His, his RP data looks so similar to Amon Ross St. Brown in his final year at USC in 2020. Really? When he was, when he was playing outside on 70% of his sampled snaps. And you can go back and read, people can go back and read the report on the website coming into that 2021 draft. 65.2% okay. success rate versus man, 78.8% success rate versus zone. Those are, those numbers are so similar to what Mingo put up. And, and I wrote all over St. Brown's profile and I loved St. Brown as a prospect. We, we dogged the Packers for taking Amari yeah. Rogers over St. Brown. I, I loved St. Brown. I thought he was like a second, a, a round two prospect, but yep. as a big slot receiver, as a big slot guy, I thought he could be that type of player. And it's just crazy how eerily similar the RP data is between Mingo and St. Brown. And St. Brown was another guy, slants, curls, flat routes. You look at Mingo's route chart, slants, curls, flats, out routes. Like those are, <laughs> those are really where right. he, I think he's going to thrive as well. Yeah. Uh, 31.2% of his routes, uh, that you charted were a curl route. Uh, 12.2 on the dig and then 10.6 on the slant route. So when you start, you know, when you just combine the curl and slants, we're talking, you know, 42, 43% of his routes were just on curl slants. And then you throw in another 8% on the screens. Uh, I, I mean, this is a real short area type of dude here when you're talking mm -hmm. nearly 50% of his routes uh, are in that short area of the field. Yeah, short area of the field. I think that's where he's going to thrive. Uh, from a role perspective, I do like the Amon Rob comparison at the NFL level. I'd also say Chris Godwin. I think Godwin was a – I love Chris Godwin as a prospect, man. I, I yeah. loved him in the NFL. But I think like the way Chris Godwin has been used on uh, short and um, kind of in-breaking quick routes over the middle of the field, I think uh, you know, despite his size – 
I think that's where Mingo could really thrive as well. And dude, he's just such a badass. Like he's a he's a bully of a player. He is. He was only brought down on forty four point four percent of his in space attempts. Brought down on first contact. He was uh, great. He's a real bully after the catch, and he won seventy five percent of his contested targets in the games I sampled as well. So big receiver who plays big. And again, that is. Kind of an outlier in this draft class. Even if I don't think Jonathan Mingo <laughs> is going to be a traditional X receiver, like that's the St. Brown role, man. I mean, right. the bully after the catch, bully in the in tight coverage, and it's just crazy how similar those success rates are. And yeah, obviously we know St. Brown, short area of the field, that's where he really makes his money. So again, let me let me kind of bring in a different player here. Um, and again, when I look at the size and speed, and and I watched him play, you know. I, again, you and Lance Zerline, y- y'all are aligned. You know, Lance Zerline says uh, he brought up the Anquan Bolden. Uh, again, you were talking mm. about a power slot, dude. I think that's probably a pretty good comparison, too. Um, but I don't know. For whatever reason, I just look at that size and, and his physicality and everything. And it, to me, it seems like he his game can transition at the pro game uh, to play a little bit outside. But if he plays a little bit inside and outside, boy, he would be an, a, a really, really dangerous weapon. Uh, in my opinion, um, can I bring up, uh, when I look at that size and I look at like, I don't know, the meanness, he just plays mean, right? Mm-hmm. Like when I look at that, I, I also hearken back to somebody like Debo Samuel. Um, is there, is there a, a comparison there and how different or how similar are their games? Yeah, Debo's such a unique player. Um, the after catch stuff, though, and the catch point stuff. I think Debo, um, he he'll drop passes. He's he's got a bit of a, a shaky hand sometimes in really weird like layup situations, but he'll win a mm-hmm. tough, tight, contested pass. Right, and obviously we know he's like the best after catch receiver in the NFL. I think Mingo. But 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 Debo's not a vertical receiver, and I don't think Jonathan right. Mingo is a vertical receiver either. He's a really unique guy that you want to get. You don't want your let me tell you what Debo Samuel's not the 49ers ex receiver like that's Brandon sure. Ayuk so I think from mm-hmm. a role perspective that can certainly make sense Debo has just we've like lost the thread on Debo so much because he's because of all the rushing stuff and all the kind of gadgety stuff that he does but as a pure like zone beating receiver Debo is extremely good in that way um I would say that the one of the differences between Debo and Mingo is like that Debo's great on those kind of intermediate um dig routes and i i didn't see that as much from uh from jonathan mingo who's more of sort of in the shorter areas but i i get the point about like after the catch and the bully obviously the bully ball mentality right there's no better bully in the in the nfl right now than debo samuel um all right so cedric tillman another wide receiver out of tennessee um interesting stuff here because uh he was i think uh outproduced and outshined by his teammate um, oh my God, I'm losing his Jalen, uh, yeah. Jalen Hyatt. Uh, okay. So, um, but Cedric Tillman is, uh, from a size and speed perspective, I think even more of a prototypical fit for the NFL, 6'3", uh, 213 pounds. He ran a, a very solid four, five, four forty. Uh, with a 37-inch vertical as well, right? So uh, this is a player that uh, Lance Zerline uh, made an NFL comparison with Michael Pittman. Uh, what are your thoughts on Cedric uh, Tillman out of Tennessee? Yeah, I, I like Pittman more as a as a pure separator, especially in like the short and intermediate areas, and I probably do Cedric Tillman. But I like Tillman a lot as a prospect, and, and you mentioned Jalen Hyatt. Uh, let me tell you what. He, he's in the same tier of prospect as Cedric Tillman for me. Um, okay. And in 20, in 2021, uh, you know, which is the season that I sampled cause that was Tillman's best season. He was like so injured last in, in 2022 that it, it's kind of, you right. have to throw that out. Like he had a ankle surgery in, in the third week. So I went ahead and did his 2021 season instead. I guess a better representation of, and he was better than Jalen Hyatt in, in that season, you know, and look, he still plays, in this Mickey Mouse, Looney Tunes, fake news offense at Tennessee. <laughs> so there it's worth, but he's not, quite, it's not quite as like a weird role that like Jalen Hyatt played in. Like we talked about a, a couple episodes yeah. ago, Cedric Tillman lined up outside on the right on 91% of his sampled snaps for reception perception. It was on the line of scrimmage, 86.7%. Now some of that again is the front receiver and stack formations, but that's not going to give you the same free release that a guy like Jalen Hyatt would get as that back receiver in the stack formation. So, you know, basically 
sitting on the sideline. That's how far off the, off the hash marks those guys are. Um, but I think again, very similar to a little bit better version of AT Perry. What we talked about earlier, 68.5% success rate versus man, 78.7% success rate versus zone coverage. I think he struggles a little bit with press cause he, he can just get jammed up a little bit, but again, his, his numbers are pretty similar to George Pickens as well. I made that same comparison um, in his, in his, prospect profile you know who again Pickens was a bit better versus press but very much similar success rate versus man and zone and I actually think a really good comparison for um, Cedric Tillman is Cortland Sutton and I'm mm. talking about like Cortland Sutton in 2019 Cortland Sutton 2019 you know 68.5% success rate versus man 76.8% success rate versus zone and like a handful of their top routes were very comparable as well especially those kind of slants, curls, and post routes. Those were some of Cortland Sutton's best routes before he started dealing with injuries. I kind of think Cedric Tillman is a very, very similar player. Uh, interesting route tree. Uh, and again, you talk about Tennessee's offense. It, it was very gimmicky and, and you know looked strange yeah. at times, for sure. Uh, but Cedric Tillman, is there a concern with the route tree? I mean, again, from, from what you have posted here, 20% of his routes were dedicated to the nine. And then 40, 39, nearly 40% of his routes 40. were the curl, <laughs> curl route. I don't know if I've ever seen that, Matt. Now, to be fair... It's, he had a great success rate on the curl, 80.6% success rate on the curl route with 40% of his routes coming on that one uh, particular route. So, I mean, it's just, I, I, I've just never seen that before, but, uh, but is there a concern that the, he's just not developed as a route runner? Uh, yeah. I mean, there, there's a reason that like, we're worried about these receivers from this, uh, from this offense. Like we haven't seen players from this, you know, and, and, um, Tennessee's running, they're like an art, their offense coordinator is like an art Bryles disciple, you know, yeah. um, they're, they're all they're all these offenses are starting to run this like Looney Tunes old Baylor offense before things went <laughs> south for art Bryles. Um, shout out to Charles McDonald, who called it the Looney Tunes offense uh, in, in, on, on my Yahoo show with him. Um, okay. But by yeah, the way, I mean, wait, so, so let, let me, let me put a pause on that real quick. So when, when I see Tennessee play and, and you talk about art Bryles, uh, maybe if you're not that familiar with college football, you're listening to the podcast, you're like, what are these guys talking about? Uh, there's a lot of stacks. There's a lot of spreads. Uh, and it's just like it, they, they mess around with the, the positioning on the field. Uh, they stack their receivers in ways that you don't really see in the NFL and they spread them out. Uh, certainly what in, in ways that you don't really see in the NFL either. Uh, a lot of easy pitch and catch throws um, out of those stack formations. And, uh, you know, uh, again, some catch and run opportunities. And if it's not that, then they just go in over the top. So that's kind of what we're, we're talking about when we're talking about the Tennessee offense. I, am I right in saying that, Matt? Yes, correct. And um, I'll point again, all, it all kind of comes from that like Baylor offense from, a few, you know, seasons like a while ago with old Art Bryles there. And I'll point back to some guys from the uh, early, re earlier reception perception days. Corey Coleman, this is mm. literally his route breakdown from his reception perception sample in college 10.7% screen routes, 27.3% curl routes, 32.2% <laughs> nine routes. And that is about it. Like that's the wow. majority of the route tree there. <laughs> <laughs> Ishmael Zamora. I, I'll see. Do people remember the name Ishmael Zamora? No. Thirty-four. Well, that is. He was like a mat. You know, James, you would have loved him. He was like a massive athletic freak from Baylor. Thirty-four point four percent curl route rate. I mean, yeah. That that this is concerning because all of these names, like we've again, we've just not seen a lot of success come right. from like receivers out of this offense. It's, it's not too dissimilar to the Quinton Johnston discussion that we had on the last yeah. episode where it's a very limited route tree, but it's just going to be tough to like ding guys too hard for this because this is most of what's going on. In Cause Hey, by the way, Tennessee's offense is fun as shit. Okay. Like they're <laughs> gr a great college offense. Hendon hooker yeah. put up awesome numbers. Right. As a, as a collegiate player. And it, but it's just like, man, you watch it and there's just not a lot of stuff that's indicative or replicable on Sunday. Like you literally can't run that offense in the NFL and you can't run a, a receiver on like 40% curl routes, even if no. they're like deep stop. Like Jamar Chase is a great example of a guy who will run a lot of like deep stop routes that are technically curl routes, but they're 
you know, they end up getting classified as curl routes, but a lot, it's all based on like the threat of beating the player over the top. And like Jamar Chase is, is a freak at that stuff. It's, he yeah. told me it's his favorite route to run, but he's not doing it 40% of the time. Okay. So, um, <laughs> 40 yeah, it's, it's, def, it's definitely it's a note here. It's definitely a note for sure. All right, so uh, you highlighted some big athletic receivers here. Go to the website, receptionperception.com, uh, to get Matt's full notes. We've kind of abbreviated a lot of the stuff here. I, I, and people are saying, abbreviated? You talked about three guys in 45 minutes. I mean, hey, listen, that's how in-depth Matt goes uh, on some of these prospects. And, and, and you could spend hours, I think, on the side just kind of like breaking it all down. Then you go down the YouTube rabbit hole. I know that's what I do. That's what, that's what I do. I go down that YouTube rabbit hole and I compare and contrast the notes and all that stuff. So uh, it's fun. Go check out the website, receptionperception.com. Hey, Matt, give the listeners um, and your fans out there a little preview of what is to come, though, or and actually some of the other prospects that are already live on the site. Yeah, as James is out, you know, gallivanting uh, at the Masters, I'm I'm just hard at work. <laughs> Just no toiling the away. grindstone. Yeah. <laughs> toiling turn, away. Turn Tank Dell, some, you know, five, five, 160 pound receiver. Like, I'm, what am I doing with myself? James is on uh, the greatest grass ever planted on planet Earth and, you know, yep, 100%. slamming beers. And I'm, I'm here charting Tank Dell. But yeah, Tank Dell should be, speaking of which, should be on the site today. Uh, I've also got a profile coming on Xavier Hutchinson. That will kind of round out the profiles. We've talked about a lot of the guys on the show, but there are other guys too that we didn't talk about. Ooh, Jaden Reed, Marvin Mims. Those are interesting ones. Right, the prospect sure. rankings I mentioned are coming. And um, after I'm done with these full profiles of rookies, I'll start to move into kind of the – what I did last year, which was the rookie roundup, um, was like mini samples, two to three games, guys I wasn't able to get full samples on and like kind of some lower range prospects like last year, Kyle Phillips, Danny Gray, um, Wandale Robinson was in, in there, David Bell, you know, guys that are maybe going to go third round and later uh, will get featured in that in that prospect uh, roundup there. So that'll come to the site if probably next week. Uh, if not the week of the draft, hopefully, hopefully next week, uh, not, not the week of the draft. So yeah, a lot of stuff coming. And then, uh, the free superlatives article that if you're listening to the podcast, and you're not a subscriber, well, shame on you. You should be, but also I'll have the free, uh, prospect superlatives article coming the week of the draft. Ooh, that's going to be hot. I like that. All right. Very good stuff. All right. So there you go. Plenty of information on the site being updated, uh, constantly as well. So go check it out, receptionperception.com. And if you're listening to us for the first time, you're like, who are these guys, man? Uh, listen, Matt has been doing this for a while now. Uh, so I would encourage everyone to go check out the site. And if you could subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, uh, give a little bit of a, a note uh, on the pod, review the podcast as well, man, we would find that incredibly helpful as well. All right, but our time does run short. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you.